This is Catalog and Cocktails. Presented by Data.World. So let's move on to our lightning round, which is presented by Data.World, the enterprise data catalog for the modern data stack. And I'm going to kick it off. All right. Are companies thinking enough about information bias and how it impacts their business? Hell no. <laughs> no, I don't think so. No, not at all. I just literally wanted to make that very explicit. People can hear this. Is like <laughs> everybody who's hearing, like this is something you need to be start paying attention to. So be thinking yeah. about it, right? Um, so second question um, is self service data and analytics helping remove information bias or is it contributing to it and making it worse? Ooh, I think it helps for certain groups. So the data science growth teams that we have need the data. Everybody else needs self-service analytics. And I very strong distinction between the two. Our data is centrally modeled um, where we basically try to get those correlations of product, uh, the KPIs, and they're basically, because we're a single business, we can do that. And we want those things, like that 35 days to become a customer, want those things very strongly kind of done by a central team of engineers who really know how to manage that. You can do whatever analytics you want on top. Use a catalog to look at what the rules are, but that's what we want you to do. Data science, growth teams, do what you want. Access to the data, knock yourself out, go show us that we're a bunch of idiots. So I, I treat those populations of people differently. We really want everybody to have an agreed set of business rules and do analytics whatever way they want, but the data you shouldn't be changing. Whereas the data science uh, and the, uh, the, um, the growth teams, they can do what they want. So we actually have a very strong distinction between those two. Interesting. So the data science and growth teams have more freedom, more leash versus yep. um, self-service in the context of other groups might be more tightly governed. Now, we're a single business, you have to recall, right? So we're not a mega conglomerate um, you know, company. So we can do that, but we want yeah, self-service analytics. If you prefer ThoughtSpot or Tableau or you're an Excel person or you know Pyramid or whatever, whatever one Sigma, you can do whatever analytics you want on your tool. You get access to the underlying data warehouse that way, whereas the other guys might be doing Python and they can do what they want. They can basically plug in at a different level and we're fine with that. All right, third question. Can a semantic metrics layer help address information bias? Like having a very clear, specific, formal definition, what is a customer? I like to believe yes is the answer to that um, because I think it creates a need then to make sure that semantic layer is well-governed, well-thought-through, and that there's a, hopefully a collective set of people across the business that have agreed that that definition is accurate. That's what I like to believe. And I've certainly seen that in some of the ways that we have standardized some of our KPIs at Matillion that were all agreed that that thing is the way that we define it. And we constantly reinforce that message that a customer is 35 days of, uh, of continuous payment, this, this thing, and you constantly rinse, rinse and repeat those kind of definitions. So I think yes is the answer. But I'm sure somebody out there might kind of go, you know, hey, you need more agility, more flexibility, but maybe their businesses are more complex and they've got more business divisions. We are a single business. We sell products. That's what we do. Um, maybe if our business became more complicated, I might think about differently about that answer. Hmm. All right. Interesting. Like Tim, last one. All right. Last lightning round question. Um, it's going to be about who? Accountability. Um, 
you know, who is accountable to helping the business identify and uh, act against information bias? For example, is it the chief data officer? Should they add this to their charter? What we do at Matillion is that every single exec is responsible for making sure their business runs with analytics. So if you look at our six-week cadence that we run with the exec team, everybody shows up with a set of charts. And those charts have trend graphs and they have an insight uh, bit that we're asked to do. So the chart basically the kind of week over week, month over month kind of cadence that we have for our business. And then the insights are where we call out and go, could be something as, as like, you know, hiring. Are you hiring to plan? And you might just call out going, here's where we're stuck and here's where we're blocked. Or it could be like, are we hiring enough diversity into our organization or enough seniority of diversity into organization? And, and the insights is what you basically are asked to, to call out on. So in that respect, every single exec has a set of KPIs and some will have some growth projects that they're working on. But the accountability, the accountability is for you to stand up and go, I know how to run my business. I know how to build a product organization that's a world beater. And therefore, here's how I run that business. That's the way we do it here. And then every six weeks, we're held to account on that. Held to account in a very positive, reinforcing way. Just to be clear, the culture here is very much encouraging. What are you learning? What's broken? And asking questions of each other. Nothing, nothing more, nothing less than that. That's the way we do it. I love it. Uh, everyone should be held to account in a positive way. What are, your, what are you learning and how are we getting better? Yep. yep. By the way, I just want to hear... This is a, a good uh, note here by a LinkedIn user. It says it's called bias because it will bite you in the ass with the first AS if you don't control it. So DI uh, bite and AS. Yeah. <laughs> you have some. You have some awesome uh, listeners out there. They're they're fantastic comments. I'm gonna guess that that's one of our loyal listeners, uh, Mark Kitson. Usually, uh, hello, Mark. Uh, you usually listen to. All right, so go. Let's go to our, our our mesh minute. One minute to rant, pontificate about data mesh. Whatever you want, go. I still keep going back reading that blog and still trying to figure out what's the point of it all. Right? Um, I do like Martin Fowler. I've been reading his stuff for years. I kind of grew up on design patterns uh, as a software engineer. I'm a big fan of it. But I'm still kind of going, um, maybe it's because of the way our business runs. We are basically a bunch of BI people that built a software business. That's who we are. And we're really comfortable with a cloud infrastructure that's infinitely scalable. We can stick as much freaking data as we want in there. We can run all of our analytics that we ever needed and still not to need to go to a data mesh. That's us. And that works really well at Matillion. And I think most of the organizations I consult into right now, even the big ones, they're fine with it. I do like one thing. I like the principle of data as a product. I like that idea. I just not sure yet that I need a data mesh to implement one. Is that close? That was that was fifty-seven seconds. And actually, uh, you, you, we've been doing this, and there's people who are. I mean, you're you're pretty critical on it, and 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 I think we come to the same conclusion on like, out of all those things that we hear about data mesh. The data as a product is the one I think that is the, is the big game changer there. It's a great concept because I think it creates accountability and ownership and allows you to do it either in a cloud data warehousing thing, future data mesh type of thing. I, I think there's lots of latitude as to terms of how it evolves as an architecture. Right. I'm just not sure yet um, that the current prescribed architecture is one that I subscribe to. And maybe some of that's down to operational analytics versus BI analytics, right? Because I think the operational mm -hmm. analytics groups might say, 
it's much more polyglot. They are using databases, whereas most of our business, and if not all of it, is really coming down to a data lake file system or it's coming down to a data warehouse. And they're very much different things, right? I don't, I don't think you need to kind of go polyglot and have a whole bunch of other stuff. It, it could be the nature of the underlying data challenges that people are trying to solve for. Yeah, and just to wrap this on, but I mean, Tim and I have been working, we have, we've defined this uh, data product ABCs framework, right? We call it accountability, boundaries, contracts and expectations, downstream consumers, and what's the explicit knowledge and the things that you should be considering around a data mm. product. So actually, what I'm now, now curious, I'll, we'll send that to you offline. I'd love to get your input. And uh, I think it's yeah, something I like that, that. we're talking yeah, about data yeah. as a product. Like, what does it actually mean? But I like all right, well, Tim, TTT, Tim, take us away with takeaways. We got so much stuff here to yeah, sure. no, this this was a great conversation. So we, we kind of started off with like, you know, what, what is what is information bias and how do we combat it? Right. And, um, you know, you kind of gave this example of the person, the salesperson or whoever. Right. Who says, oh, man, the marketing leads. What do you think about them? Oh, they're crap. Right. And it's like, well, why do why do you say that? Like, can we identify that, first of all, that you believe this? And then what is the data that supports this hypothesis? Do, do you even recognize as an individual and do we recognize as a company that what you're saying right now isn't fact, it is a hypothesis, right? And, uh, and we need to understand, does the data support that? And, and do we actually have culture and processes in these things that are actually allowing us to investigate in this? Like you talked about this idea of, uh, you know, growth teams and, and the idea that a, a growth culture in your organization may actually be looking at various KPIs and embracing experimentation and playing with the data and using that to inform the rest of the business. So um, there's a there's a lot of important kind of things to take away and think about how can we change our culture, what we value, what executive teams are pushing down to their organizations, identifying where maybe there's tacit knowledge or collective knowledge that we just take for granted or uh, that particular groups hold particular biases. Um, and uh, you you mentioned about an example with uh, BMW where um, they really created a culture where they had to prove uh, something, a hypothesis with data before they could really get the budget around it and having a culture that kind of rewards ideas that are well-founded and well-supported by data and encourages people to learn how to use the data, how to interact with the data, and how to communicate around the data. Uh, and then uh, you talked about chaos engineering in the context of sort of bias and data and um, and sort of data oriented processes. And I think that's a cool idea. At some point, we should we should actually dive into that topic more because I think there's more to unpack on that. But uh, so th those were some of my takeaways. What about you, Juan? Well, uh, several here. I think one of the things that you said, you actually quoted somebody quoted it there in the chat is, is the experiment wrong because you didn't find evidence to support the hypothesis? I think that's a very, very important question to be asking yourself. And we all talked about like, oh, or I brought this up, like, what if we had actually like the, the data therapist, right? In the, in the organization who's trying to figure out and talking to people, safe space, let me go connect the dots, right? I think this is something we should go consider. Uh, uh, and also in our conversations, I mean, bringing it, bringing it back to my world here, like you're validating this whole push that I'm doing about knowledge first, right? Let's look at the data, but you need the people, the context and the relationships to really deal with this information bias. You've recommended this book, Guide to the Information Graphics, right? Get this. We need to have the skills to explain the data, explain why the data. And I really love this example of what you guys do. Every your Thursday stand-ups, right? You, somebody, 15 minutes, go share what studies have you done about the data, what metrics, here's a chart, get some quick insights. And this is a culture where everybody rises around that. 
But we did bring up, I, I brought up like, we talk about data literacy, but what about business literacy, right? Right. Here's the data, give me insight, but do you actually have the business knowledge for that? Or if you had the business knowledge, well, how will your insights change, right? And then this is where data catalogs are very useful, right? When we define what a customer is, right? You have a very specific definition was a customer from Matillion. And these are things that you want to go do, not just for, I mean, from information bias, but also kind of like you're onboarding new employees. You want people to like make best use of their time. Like th th this is why the knowledge is so important. And, and one thing I'm really glad that you brought up is the importance of diversity in a company right the diversity culture right we as engineers we bring in a bunch of cs math folks math thinkers they think in one way but you start bringing other folks from the arts folks who didn't go to college who didn't have a who didn't have a traditional degree but learned in different ways like they bring different mindsets and that helps to diversify the bias and i think that's a very critical aspect right there yep. i really love that we, you know, we brought that topic um how did we do anything we miss on takeaways Sounds good to me. I think we captured it all. So awesome. <laughs> all right. Throw it back to you. So three quick questions. One, what's your advice about data or life? Second, who should we invite next? And three, let's share with the listeners. What are the resources that you follow? People, blogs, podcasts, conferences, whatever. Uh, advice, I, I, I would genuinely say to people, start trying to do growth within their organization. And we do product-led growth within what we do. Um, it's kind of fun. It, it is fun. It challenges some good assumptions. It, it hopefully helps kind of some of the, uh, some of my generation as well, just be a little bit more free form and go, Hey, here's generally what I want you to go do. Have a go at it and see what you can do in the data. It really is just, it's been super rewarding, I think for, uh, for us in terms of what we're trying to do. Um, that's, uh, that's the second question was again, sorry. I was trying to remember the first Would question. Sorry, what was the second question? I am good friend of mine called Jim Walker over at Cockroach Labs. Um, very outspoken, uh, wonderful guy. Lots and lots of experience in data from master data management all the way through now to Cockroach Labs. Um, he's, uh, yeah, he's, he's, he's an amazing product marketer and can talk lots about how to position and do things. But very interesting guy in terms of his knowledge of data and what they're doing at Cockroach Labs. It's a, it's a pretty super uh, product if you follow their, their, their trajectory. Um, you know, I think that's, that's things. And who do I follow? Um, Woodworth, I'm back reading again is Dan Ariely. He's like professor of, uh, psychology and, and behavioral science at, uh, at, uh, Duke university. The reason I'm back doing this, we're doing a bunch of pricing work right now. And I always remember every time I go back and I read his book, uh, predictively irrational, he's got this just amazing use cases of, um, you know, how people behave differently when you give them different pricing options. So I found myself rereading a book that I read probably eight years ago, and I'm kind of watching him again on, on TED Talks. It's just always fascinatingly funny, insightful, and just a reminder how stupid I am and everybody else is when it comes to pricing techniques. It's just such an irrational thing to go do. Uh, but that's who I'm basically reading at the moment. I'm back reading Dan. Remind us the name of the book again. Dan Ariely is a book called Predictably Irrational. Um, you got to watch him on TED Talks. He is this, if you find the TED Talk that talks about the Economist magazine and the experiment that they do with the print edition, the, um, the online edition, and the print and online edition and the pricing between those three, oh man, it is just an insight. There is an MBA just in watching that 15-minute segment alone in how pricing and price strategy behaves. It's wonderful. Oh man. I, I'll, I'll have to pick it. that up. I'm curious now. It, I haven't, I haven't read brilliant. it in a while. 
I, and I love that we're now starting to ask this question to guests because we're going to start getting, getting some great content on this. Um, awesome. Kira, this was fantastic. And just as a quick reminder, uh, next week we have uh, Sanjeev Mohan. Uh, he's a, right now an independent analyst, uh, and he has been talking to so many different companies, vendors, customers, space, and everything. governance space, and, and yeah. so many space. And he, I, I enjoy talking to Sanjeev so much because he has this really great bird's eye of what's going on. And uh, he's also a very true, honest, no BS guy. So that's next week. Um, and then I think uh, the following week, uh, we're going to be at the Snowflake Summit. We'll see you there live in person. See and you there in be, person, I'm yeah. So excited to go see so many people in person over there. And with that, Kieran, thank you so much. This was a fantastic conversation. As always, thanks to Our World, who lets us do this, supports us every Wednesday uh, for 40 Catalan Cocktails. And with that, Kieran, again, thank you so much. Cheers. Thank you, guys. Cheers. Cheers.